Bibles to Matthew 25, 1 through 13. As you're turning there, babe, I just want to let you know I love you. Amen. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Tonight what we're going to be speaking about is the 10, in the New Living Translation, calls them bridesmaids. In other translations, it calls them virgins. So we're going to be, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And it's God's word says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took the lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish <clears throat> didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise and enough to take, wise enough to take enough oil and take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were rousted. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the, then the five foolish asked the other five, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went in with him <clears throat> to the marriage feast. And the door was, was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I do not know you. So you too keep watch. For you do not know the day nor the hour of my return. Amen. You may have your seat. <clears throat> well, right now, <clears throat> right now, what I'd like for you, <clears throat> I have a story. <clears throat> Let's imagine a college kid coming home from college. Okay, he's on his way home from college, and and he's and on his way here. On his way home, <clears throat> the gas light comes on. The gas light comes on. You think, bang! The gas light comes on, but he figures, as long as if I can just make it home, my parents will give me will pay, put some more gas in my car, and and I'll be able to go out this weekend. Those was his thoughts, but as he was going, he was almost there. He was about eight miles from the house, and he ran out of gas. And it's about one o'clock in the morning, so he gets out of the car, and he starts walking. But as he's going, a car comes by and sideswipes him and kills him, okay? <clears throat> Ultimately, all this was because, why? Because he didn't take, take heed to the warning light. He didn't take heed. He didn't... He didn't make preparations to pull over and get gas when he was supposed to. And what this, this story is a tragic end to a person who didn't prepare. Now the context of, 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 the, of the passage we just read is important that we understand that Jesus, the, the, the story Jesus is telling is in the, Jesus is in the middle of speaking to his disciples privately. 
at the, about the end of times. And this conversation began way back in chapter 24. It didn't start in chapter 25. It started way back as Jesus, in chapter 24, 3, it says, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when this will happen, and what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? That's when this conversation about the virgin started. So the, the virgin story is pretty much at the end of this whole story. He speaks about rumors of wars and, and famines and earthquakes and, and all these things are what the Bible calls birth pains. They're birth pains for, for what the coming, the coming of the Lord. He goes on to tell, and he also goes on to tell several different parables to his disciples as to what, of, for us to watch out and be ready. And to warn the consequences of not being ready. To distinguish, and he distinguishes the two groups. He distinguishes these groups of people one from another by either the wise or the lazy. That's how he distinguishes the two people that are going to be ready. Either they're going to be wise or they're going to be lazy. Jesus tells different, several different stories to illustrate this, of reading wise or leaning or being lazy. Because... Jesus tells seven different stories to illustrate the different aspects of how the kingdom of heaven will be for those who gain entrance and those who don't. The fact is, he wants us to be, the fact that he wants us to be ready has to be something of the most importance. Because he emphasizes in three different stories in chapter 24 about being ready. In Matthew 24, verses 40 and 41, he says, two men... We'll be working together. We'll be working together. We'll be working together in the fields. One will be taken, the other one will be left. He goes on to say two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. So you must keep watch for you don't know the day of your Lord, the day your Lord is coming. And then he goes on to verses 43 and 42. He says, understand this. He says, understand this. He wants us to understand this. This is something we have to understand. He said if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit him in his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man will come when we least expect him. So, and then he goes on to tell the story about the ten virgins. So Jesus is saying right now that we have to be ready. It's all about being ready. It's all about being ready. It's most important of what is being in the kingdom of heaven and being out of the kingdom of heaven means. Being in the kingdom of heaven means being with Jesus and God forever. Being out of the kingdom of heaven means being apart from Jesus forever and in hell. And in hell. Well, there will be continual torment and gnashing of teeth. That's not, oh, man. You ever slept next to someone who grinded their teeth? My God. I had a Sally that did that. Mm. My goodness. There are only two options here, either in or out. There's no in between. There's no part. There's either you're going to be in or you're going to be left out. 
So in the first verse, we are introduced to the main characters of this story, the ten virgins and the bridegroom. And this brings me to my first point, the bridegroom. The bridegroom represents Jesus. Throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus is described as a bridegroom. In Matthew 9, 14, it says, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And even John used this same, this same imagery. In, 12, in John 3, 29, it says the bridegroom, it says the bride belongs to the bridegroom, and the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him in full joy. When he hears the bridegroom's voice, the joy of mine, the joy is mine, and it is now complete. In this story, the bridegroom is the central focus, <clears throat> though he is not, though he is not there a lot. The story is about the bridegroom who is Jesus, but he's not there. He's not always there. He's not, this whole story is about waiting on Jesus, being prepared for Jesus, getting ready for Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what the whole story is about. For us today, though, Jesus needs to be our focus. Jesus needs to be our central focus. We should be waiting for Jesus. We should be living our lives for him. We should be longing to be found faithful when he returns. That's what this is all about. And Jesus should be the central focus of the church and the people of the church. You see, right now, Jesus is not speaking to the religious leaders. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Those whom he would begin to use to begin to build his church. That's who Jesus is speaking to. He's not speaking to the Pharisees or to another. He's speaking to his disciples. And this is an encouragement and warning to those who are in the church. And I believe that this is a picture of the church, how the church will look when the rapture finally comes. This is how it will look when Jesus Christ returns for his church. Now, as I come to my second point, the, the virgins represent professing Christians, people who profess to be Christians, those who say we're Christians. In Matthew 25, 1, notice that, out, notice that outwardly all of the virgins look alike. Okay? There is nothing in their appearance that could, you could tell them apart. They all look alike. But in the next verse, we do find there is a difference. We find that five were wise and five were foolish. By looking in them, we could not tell which ones were wise and which ones were foolish. Well, you read the story, you can't tell. It doesn't say which ones were wise. It doesn't say the wise ones had a red scarf and the unwise had a blue scarf on. It doesn't say that. It says, <laughs> I know, I said white, red, and blue, huh? I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all ten, all of these ten virgins had lamps. They all had lamps. All ten virgins looked like they were ready for the bridegroom to appear. That's what it says. They were all there waiting. They were all there kicking back, talking, having fun, drinking tea, eating coffee, drinking crumpets. Okay? What is it that determined these virgins, the wise from the foolish? What was it? It was the possession of the oil for their lamps. Determined whether they were wise 
or whether they were foolish. So what does the oil represent in this story? The oil represents the Holy Spirit. That's what it represents. In Matthew 25, 2 and 4, it says, The foolish virgins did not have any oil. The wise virgins did. And it was their lack of having the oil when the bridegroom came that excluded them from entering into the wedding feast. There are professing Christians. Those are people that profess to be Christians today who go to church and they give a little bit. They come to church and, and they say, um, you know, they come and sing a few songs with us, clap their hands and come up here to the altar and jump and shout. They do all those things. Yet they are not real Christians because they do not have the Holy Spirit in them. Because they do not truly, they did not truly receive Jesus as their Savior. You see, truly receiving Jesus as your Savior also seals you with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 states, And you also were included in Jesus when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promise, Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see, when we fully, when we truly believe Jesus is our Savior, recognizing that our complete need for him and we truly receive him, the Holy Spirit indwells with us, inside of us. And it is only by believing in Jesus that we can receive the Holy Spirit. And this brings me to my next point. Does Jesus know you? You see, the last words that the five foolish virgins spoke are a finding reminder of a story Jesus told in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And it says, No one who says to me, Lord, no, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's a, man, that's a powerful scripture. The foolish, the foolish virgins arrived after the bridegroom had already come. In Matthew 25, 11 through 12, it says, Later, the others also came. Sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. I do not know you. So we hear them words again, I do not know you. And as we come to today, there are people here who are thinking just like them, who are thinking, I have plenty, I'm pretty good, enough to last me to the end. Some people think that just being good, just being nice people, just being good people, kind people, is enough to get them all the way to the end. And even if I don't, I still have enough time to get serious with my relationship to the Lord. People think that they still got time. If you hear people, bar, I can just do it. I'll do it later. I'll take care of it later. Getting serious about our relationship with Jesus can't wait 
until, it says, getting serious about my relationship with Jesus can wait until I live life some more. Sure, I go to church and, like I said, give a little, be a pretty good person, sing some songs, but I sure don't want to fill my tank with Jesus because it's too costly. To surrender your life to Jesus is costly. It costs a lot. It costs us everything that we have. Surrendering our life to Jesus costs us everything. costs us our life. It might cost me by having to change my lifestyle. It might cost me my weekends. But most of all, it might cost me my place on the throne of my life. That's what Jesus is going to cost us. That we are going to have to step down off our throne. We're not going to have, we're not going to be in the control. That's what the cost, that's what Jesus says. We got to pick up our cross and die. We got to follow him. We got to die. We got to die to all those little things that we don't want to die to. And then we say, no, I don't want to fill up my tank. How many times have you heard, I'll just take $10 worth? You ever go to gas? I'll just take $10 worth. Just give me 10 I got, I got $20, but I'll just take $10 worth of gas. Just give me $10. $10 to get me home. That's all I need to do is get home. I'll get the rest later. Right? <laughs> Amen. You know, we all need to understand that the time to get ready will be lengthy. You see, in our story of Matthew 25, 5, the bridegroom took a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. We will have time in the morning to get the oil they really need. He has been a long time in coming all the, all the time, and the chances he will be coming back during the night. I'm sure everyone has felt like that in taking Jesus and taking Jesus a long time to come. Sometimes it seems like Jesus is taking forever. It seems like you've been hearing about this now for, what, 2,000, 2,000 some years. Come on, man. If you just got, got another 2,000, I could pull it off. You know, I could got another 2,000 years. You know, I never was a gambler. I didn't like gambling. But this is one thing. That's why I, I follow Jesus with all my life because I, I don't like losing. I don't like losing. I don't like losing. I, I don't like losing. That's why I didn't play in dice games and all them other games, because I didn't like losing. I worked too hard to steal my money. <laughs> so I didn't like losing. <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> there are those, even today, even in the apostle days, who wondered that? In 2 Peter 3 through 10, it says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, follower, following their own desires. They will say, What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the word has first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And that he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world. 
with a mighty flood. And by the same word, by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are building up and kept in the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. This is what I like here. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He's being patient for our sake. He's not taking too long. He's being patient. He's being patient because he knows we need more time. If he came tomorrow, how many of us would really be able to go through the door? How many of us are actually ready? How many of us would be knocking at the door? Hey, I got my oil. What's happening? Some of us would probably go put water in it, huh? Yeah, I got it. I'm full. <laughs> yeah, we put water in it. Just shake it up. There you go. See, Jesus, I got it. <laughs> amen? Okay. I don't want to say amen. You guys know you to put water in it. <clears throat> we need to realize... We need to realize that the day of the Lord is going to come unexpectedly, and we must be ready. We need to be ready. It's important that we're ready. In Matthew 25, 6 through 12, it says, At midnight the cry rang out. <clears throat> Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some oil, some of your oil, your lamps are going out. No, they replied. There is not enough for the both of us, <clears throat> both you and us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went into the wedding. All these virgins had plenty of time to prepare. All these virgins had plenty of time to prepare. Just like us, we, we all have plenty of time. We all have plenty of time. He was a long time in coming, and the five of them were prepared. The other five perhaps thought they had more time. The other five thought they had more time. Or the other thought, thought that, that, the, that the other little five other homegirls was going to look out for. None of them knew for sure when the bridegroom is coming. And none of us know for sure when Jesus is coming. Jesus tells us in 2436, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Only God himself knows when Jesus is coming back. And it is, it is not about knowing the day or the hour that comes. It's about being ready. That's what this is all about, being ready. When he comes, the time is limited that we have. Each one of us have a limited, a limited amount of time to prepare for when Jesus is coming. It is limited by either. It is limited by either his return or our death. And we don't know which one, either one of them are coming. We don't know when we're going to die, and we don't know when Jesus is coming. If Jesus comes to you, if Jesus was to come right now, would you be ready? 
Would you be able to enter into the wedding banquet? Or would you be trying to scramble to receive the oil, the Holy Spirit? Would you be trying to find someone to surrender your life to? Or would you be trying to get on your knees when he's coming, he's at the door? Would you be trying to surrender then? There may be some of you who think they have time and want to delay. When you are really saying is that you think following, following Christ won't be as good as the life you live now. When we think that we can do it later on tomorrow, we're saying that the life that we're living right now is better than following Christ. And I'm here to tell you that I've lived on the other side. I lived on the other side for 45 years of my life. And this side right now is a whole lot better than that side. You see, Jesus is coming back, and this we can know for sure. We are closer to his arrival today than we were yesterday. Every day we get closer. The time to get ready is limited. If you, if you do not, if you have not already done so, the time to get ready is now. There is going to come a point where it's going to be too late. There is going to come a time when it's going to be too late. There's going to come a time when you're going to have to run, when you're going to run out of gas, when you're not going to have no gas. In Revelations 19, 7 through 9, this is what it says. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, Those are the true words of God. Are you on that guest list? Are you on that guest list tonight? Are, are we on that guest list tonight? You have only this lifetime before Jesus returns. Make arrangements for this eternal celebration. Make arrangements tonight for this to take place. You see, nobody can do this for you. Nobody can make this, no one can make this happen. Not your parents, not our parents, not our friend, not even our pastor. No one. Though the Bible, throughout the Bible, we are told to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. In John 1.12, it says, Yet all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believing is more than just agreeing on facts. Believing is acting on that belief. Belief that doesn't produce action is not real. If you believe in something and you're not, and you're not proving it, it's not real. It's like saying you like ice cream, but you never eat it. 
It's yours. It's yours. Not real. You don't. How can you make me believe that you eat ice cream? You love ice cream if you never eat ice cream. If I never see you at Cold Stone. I'm a regular member. I know. If you have not seen Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you have been thinking, I just need a little Jesus, understand there is no little Jesus. There is no little Jesus. There is no little Jesus. There's a little bit of religious. There's a little bit of religion, but religion never saves anybody. Jesus is an all or none proposition. You either got to have all of Jesus or none of Jesus. There is no in-between. There is, there is no lukewarm. There's no halfway with Jesus. Jesus says, I want it all or I don't want nothing. I want it all or I don't want nothing. He says, if you're lukewarm, he says he will spew you out. That's a nice word, huh? I did that good, huh? Spew you out. I did that. I thought about that. I had the other word, too. I forgot the other word you used. But I said spew. Amen? Amen. So right now, tonight is, is, tonight's message, is, is I, I believe I said what I had to say, and God is talking about us being ready. Talking about being ready. Talking about believing. You can come, AJ. He's talking about us believing in what we say we believe in. He's saying if we're Christians, then we have to start living our life like Christians. We have to start walking our life like Christians. We have to start doing all the things that he said. We have to start giving Jesus as much as we gave the devil. How many of us give Jesus as much as we gave the devil? I try to, I try to, I try to, to live as hard for Jesus as I lived for the devil. I try to do the same. I, I, I try not to change. All I did was I, I tell I tell the guys in the home, all I did was change generals. That's all I did. I just changed generals. I'm still the same. I'm still the same. I'm still the dedicated, you know, die for. I would, I would have died for my cause. We're quick. Not, man. And right now, I'll die for Jesus. Because I know. I know that for what Jesus has done in my life, the world couldn't do. Prison couldn't do. Drugs couldn't do. Nothing could do, money couldn't do what Jesus has done in my life. Jesus has given me a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus has given me a destiny. Jesus has given me a purpose. Jesus has given me a purpose to live. Jesus has given me freedom to get up in the morning. And I don't have to look for drugs anymore. I don't have to look for anything anymore to have peace within my heart because I have Jesus now. I know what I have. I know Jesus is my Savior. And I know that I'm not perfect. I make a still a lot of mistakes. I'm learning. But I do know this, that Jesus is everything that I have. And that without Jesus, I have nothing. Without Jesus, I might as well just lay down and die. So tonight, as you bow your heads, if you're in here tonight and, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you're saying to yourself, uh, I, I, I want to get on that guest list. I'm not, you might be here tonight and you're not sure. Man, I, I don't know if I, my name is on that list. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. And if that's you tonight, 
Raise your hand. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Amen. Don't, amen. Don't be scared. This is between you and Jesus. Amen. You're not sure tonight. Amen. Amen. Because we don't know when he's coming. And you don't want to get caught slipping. You don't want to get caught. If you're not sure, this is the night to get on that guest list. This is the night to secure your place in heaven. This is the night to secure your, your spot, to get your name on that wedding banquet table. Tonight's the night. Amen. As we stand. For the sake of those who raised their hand tonight, we're going we're gonna to repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose on the third day and ascended into heaven. And I asked you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and begin to change me. I give you my will to do as you want. In Jesus' name, amen. And tonight, right now, a second altar call. For those of us who, who maybe we kind of been slipping a little bit, maybe our oils ran a little low, and we need to come in and fill up our flask a little bit more. We need to come and fill up our lamps a little bit more because our oil is just a little bit low because sometimes things happen in our life. Sometimes things go and we get caught up and, and our oil gets low. And right now is an opportunity today. We, we know today earlier in this service, God showed up and he touched us. He touched us. So we know, we know that he's here and he's, he's not going to leave us nor he's going to forsake us. So these altars are open. If you want to come and just say, God, I need you to fill me up. I need you to fill me up with your oil tonight. I need to get back in your presence. I need to get back to where I'm supposed to be right now. And if that's you tonight, I need you to come to this altar and just call out. Call on the mighty name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, forgive me for letting my oil run low. Forgive me tonight. I just want to stand with you. I just want to feel your presence. I give myself away. Oh, yes, so Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you tonight, Jesus. Oh, yes, yes, I give you my life. I give you everything tonight, Jesus. I give myself away.